All praises to the Most High, brothers and sisters. I am your host, the Apostle Reuben. And first day of the week assemblies, we have asked people literally what was the forbidden fruit Adam and Eve ate from. And of course, when you see the word fruit, they literally think that is a piece of fruit, an apple, an orange, a grape, a pomegranate. Your guess is good as mine about what they think, brothers and sisters. But what they do not realize is that Genesis chapter 1 through 4, it's kind of like a parable. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at what this fruit is that Adam and Eve ate. You have to pay close attention because as we go through the scriptures, it'll be evident that they didn't eat a literal piece of fruit. Genesis chapter, and I, I'm going to get straight to the point. Genesis chapter 3, and even before I read that, Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read um, Genesis 2.17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So first of all, brothers and sisters, what we have to do is we have to understand good and evil. So this fruit that is on this tree is of good and of evil, and it is of knowledge. Knowledge cannot come from Adam and Eve putting a piece of fruit in their mouth. See, brothers and sisters, Christianity, Sunday church, is a church of enchantment. It's not designed to actually break down the scriptures to have you learn. So what we need to do is first, we need to determine what is good and what is evil. They have meanings, you know. So let's go and look up good. Now, I want to go to Romans 7 first. Romans 7 first, because I want to get straight to the point. Romans chapter 7 verse 12 says for wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good so the good is in the commandments so the good is in the law now this tree this particular tree in the garden had the knowledge of the law and evil. Let's look up what evil is. Let's look up evil. And I'd like to go straight to the point in Proverbs 29, verse 6. Because, brothers and sisters, you will never understand the Bible unless you know what the words mean that are spoken. And I could have used Proverbs 13, verse 21. 
very, very easily. It says, evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good is repaid. Proverbs 29 and 6 says, in the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous does sing and rejoice. So anything evil deals with sin. So this tree had the knowledge of law and sin, good and evil. Let me give you one more for good. Um, Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. I want to go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 18. And even before that, I'll read verse 17. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore unto thy father. So the good is in the law. Let me give you one more. Let me give you Nehemiah. Now see, brothers and sisters, the reason why I'm doing this is because we have to define good. And this is one of the reasons why they like to eliminate the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is going to show you what it means. And when you see the exact same meanings, words, verses in the New Testament, you can always revert back to the Old Testament as proof and testimony to what you read in the New Testament. And you have to do it, brothers and sisters. The Bible says so. People are not. Let me let me let me read you a, a chapter and a verse, real quick. I'm gonna read you a chapter and a verse. Isaiah chapter forty-three, verse nine. It says, "Let all nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses, that they may be justified." Or let them hear and say it is true. See, brothers and sisters, an exegesis is not showing you the former things when it comes to a chapter and a verse. That's private interpretation. And that's exactly, exactly what is happening here. A private interpretation. When it comes to understanding the fruit that Adam and Eve ate in the garden, you have to understand exactly what, and I would say this all the time, brothers and sisters, all of the verses in the Bible must be carefully examined before you make a point. Genesis 2.17 says that this tree, which even in even brothers and sisters in the parable, because they don't understand parables or similitudes, even in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read it. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read, um, I would say, verses. What do I want to start? Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, 18 and 19. Let me show you something. 
Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree, how could a tree be corrupt? How could a tree outside in the yard be corrupt? A corrupt tree is a lawless tree, Nehemiah 1 and 7, bringing forth evil fruit. See, there's that evil. A tree, evil fruit. A good tree, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So here he's talking about trees, but we know Christ isn't talking about trees. He's talking about man. But he is directing man in a similitude as a tree. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. In Genesis, is talking about the same thing. Trees. These trees are not, this tree, this particular tree, is not talking about a literal tree. This tree is a man. I'm going to show you. It says in Genesis 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the feet, any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. And even before we go to Proverbs 18, let's go to Proverbs 10, 16. Very important that we go here. It says, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. Fruit of the wicked, which is the unlawful, is sin. Their fruit is sin. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this. Watch this. And you have to understand, brothers and sisters, however you think. Now, remember, before I go and on and read this chapter and verse in Genesis chapter three, verse three, but of the fruit of the tree, which is of the midst of the garden, he has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die, die, die. Proverbs 18, verse 21, death, death, death. And life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is the mouth. And they that love it eat the fruit thereof. The fruit was in the power of the tongue. It wasn't a literal piece of apple or orange. Satan is talking to the woman. Watch. 
She says, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. These are words. Pay attention. For God doth know that in the day that you eat, this is another word, they that eat, we just read it in Proverbs. Let's go right back in case you forgot the thought. Proverbs 18, verse 21. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat, eat the fruit thereof. The fruit was in the tongue and they ate it. The eat doesn't mean you cannot, you can't eat words. But if you compare the similitude of eating to learning, then you will see this. The book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse 16. Let me give you some examples. It says, thy words were found, and I did eat them. How could... How could you eat words? See, see, see what's going on. See, the Bible is explaining itself. I did eat them, and thy words was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. See, John did the same thing in Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 10. In verse 9, it says, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. So what was the book and how did, 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 did John literally eat parch paper and ink? No. This eat meant learn. Let's get Proverbs. Let's get another witness. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 2. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 13, verse 2 says this. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. The fruit of his mouth. The fruit of his mouth deals with words. But the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. You can't eat violence. You can't eat. This, this is letting you know that God uses similitudes. The eat means learned. They did not literally put a piece of food in their mouth. They learned. When you look at the book of Psalms chapter. Now, now remember. The Bible says in Revelation 10 and 9 that it was sweet in the mouth of John. Psalms 119 verse 103 says, How sweet are thy words to my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The same thing is said back in Revelation 10 and 9. Sweet in his mouth. Because <clears throat> when we understand let me, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Now, a lot of times you may hear people say, well, 
that you know it, it sounds good but but that, but but that's really not what we feel that is well okay so what is it about enchantment they eat have you ever have anybody ever ate anything and it made them evil the only thing that we would eat and make us sinners was pork and unclean meats. This isn't talking about that. This is talking about fruit. Psalm 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Taste what? To see that the Lord is good. The Lord is righteous. Let's go back up to Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God doth know and the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So wait a minute. Knowing evil. Now, Adam and Eve already knew good, but they did not know evil. Because Genesis 2.25 says that they were both naked. And the man and his wife were not ashamed. To be not ashamed is to be keeping the law. Let me show you. Psalms 119. Psalms 119. And I'm going to read verse 6. It says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Adam and Eve were keeping the commandments. Commandments, see, brothers and sisters, the reason why they try to make it look like a piece of fruit is because they don't want you to know that the commandments were in the beginning and what good and evil means. They want you to believe it's an in an enchantment. This story is a parable, not anything enchanting. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Wise how? Wise how? Let's get Jeremiah 4. Let's get Jeremiah 4. Because nothing good came out of her eating or I, or I should say learning from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jeremiah 4.22 says, For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children. And they have not, they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. See, he want to make one wise to do what? Evil. The wisdom was already in the law. Psalms 19 and 7 proves what the wisdom is. What makes you wise is the law. Psalms 19 and 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. So what wisdom was she going after? She took of the fruit thereof, and she did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So now what happened? 
It says, verse 7, and, there are, and the eyes of, of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked. Now, this naked is not the same naked that was in Genesis 2.25. It says they were naked and not ashamed. But this one says that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, when they knew that they were naked this time, this is where you can go to research that naked. We can go to the book of Exodus chapter 32, which is one that I would use. But I'd like to go to 2 Chronicles 28, 19. 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 19, because this is a better explanation. 2 Chronicles 28, 19 is a good explanation of what naked is. Verse 19 of 2 Chronicles chapter 28. For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. The nakedness was in sin. Let's go to the book. Let's go to another good one in the book of Jeremiah, the Lamentations of Jeremiah. One of my favorite books of the whole Bible because it has a lot of things inside that we can learn. The book of Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Jerusalem has grievously sinned, therefore she is removed. All that honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness, sin. Yea, she have sighed, she, she sigheth, and turneth backwards. And that backwards always goes to uh, the book of Jeremiah, chapter uh Five verse six, where it says, "Wherefore a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and the wolf of the evening shall spoil them, and a leopard shall watch over their cities. Every one that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces, because of their transgressions are many, and their backslidings are increased." So, backslidings are transgressions. Another word for transgressions. God explains what it is. So when we go back to Genesis, the nakedness, Eve, they didn't just, okay, realize I we don't have any clothes on, more enchantments. The nakedness is sin. That's why in the book of Job chapter 33, I'm going to show you some Job chapter 33, Verse, um, I know I say Job chapter 31, verse 33 says, Job 31 33, if I have covered my transgression as Adam by hiding iniquity in my bosom. See, the prophet Job knew Adam hid his iniquity when he hid amongst the trees, he was hiding the iniquity. And don't, don't just think he was the only one that committed iniquity because when we Oh, to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 40, 40, not 40, verse 14, it says, And Adam was not deceived initially by the serpent, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. See, both 
Job 31, 33 says, Adam transgressed, but he was not deceived by the serpent. He literally volunteered to transgress because his wife transgressed. She taught Adam the wickedness she learned from the serpent. And they hid themselves among the trees. Now we know, brothers and sisters, by going back to Ezekiel 31, because there's always going to be a prophet or a um, or something to give us a little bit of insight of what those trees were. Now, of course, in Ezekiel 31, verse 9, it says, I have made him fair by his multitude of his branches, talking about Adam, so that all the trees in Edom that were in the garden of God envied him. The trees that were in the garden were men. They were noted as trees. Because your tree outside doesn't envy. A pine tree doesn't envy a cedar tree. It just doesn't. These are similitudes. The fruit that Adam and Eve ate was not literal fruit. It was words. And the eat is a similitude for learn. See that belly. When you look at the belly, Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. And I want to read you verse 8. The words of a talibearer are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Again, Words of a talebearer are wounds to the mind, going into the innermost parts of the belly, in which Christ said in John 7 38, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall pour rivers of living waters. Now, brothers and sisters, no one standing in the middle of the yard with water coming out of their mouth. He's talking about scriptures. If you believe on the Christ of this Bible as it is written, water, which is scriptures, are going to pour out of your mouth. One reason, brothers and sisters, that, as I said before and I'll say it again, they want you to believe that it's literal fruit is because they want to try to take sin and law out of the equation. If you know that Adam and Eve, oh, I'll say it like this. If you know that there was a law, then you'll understand Genesis a little bit better. You can't have good and evil without law and sin because good is the law and sin is evil. I'm going to read you two more passages, brothers and sisters. I want to go to the book of Nehemiah, 
9.13. Nehemiah 9.13. Let's read this real quick. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 13. It says, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spake it with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments. Brothers and sisters, these laws and commandments were from heaven, and they were good. So the law is good, Romans 7 and 12. Second Kings chapter 21, verse 16 says, Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. Besides his sin, wherewith he made Judah sin, and doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Good is law, sin is evil. The serpent had knowledge of them both, but Eve and Adam, or Adam and Eve, did not have knowledge of them both. They only had knowledge of good until the serpent tricked them into committing evil, which was sin. I hope that helped you, brothers and sisters. All praises to the Most High, and let us pray that we come up out of the, the enchantments of Sunday Church. And these theologians that's supposed to be wise, yeah, to do evil and tricking people into thinking that biting into a piece of apple, you're going to learn something. No. Peace be unto you, brothers and sisters.